Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now, here's your host for today's broadcast, Dwayne Sheriff. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Truth and Liberty talk show is what I call it. It's a live call-in show. And Man, I'm excited about today and the things the Lord's put on my heart to encourage you with during this wonderful time of the year. Before we even get started, I just want to say Merry Christmas to those of you that are watching. I'm praying. Uh, Andrew Walmack Ministries, there are people that are praying for your family, all of our partners, all those that are connected to not only Truth and Liberty, but AWMI and Karis Bible School. We're praying for your families, for traveling mercies, and that you just have a safe and a merry Christmas. I got to spend all day today with my children and my grandchildren celebrating this time of the year. We're celebrating the Advent, first Advent of Jesus and anticipating the second Advent with great joy. And we're praying for you again and your family to know Jesus, to to really focus during this time on Jesus. But we not only wish you a very Merry Christmas, but we're, we, we want to be a part of a happy new year here at Truth and Liberty. So thanks for being a part. Those of you that are partners, thanks for making this a great year. And I anticipate great, great things ahead for next year. Well, again, this is a call-in show, Truth and Liberty, a call-in show. And uh, let me give you the number, 719 719- 619-2341. That's 719-619-2341. I invite your calls and comments. Uh, I'm going to be sharing about the voice of God and just some basics in hearing God's voice to encourage you again in regards to that still small voice and being led by the Lord. We have some challenging things, I believe, coming up next year. And we need to discern God's voice and, and yield to God's voice. Let me give you a couple of announcements. We've got our Phoenix Gospel Truth Conference, Phoenix, Arizona, uh, Gospel Truth Conference 2024 coming up. It's January the 4th through the 6th, January 4 through 6. The location is the Renaissance Phoenix Glendale Hotel and Spa. That's the Renaissance Phoenix Glendale Hotel and Spa. Our speakers this year will be Andrew Walmack and Pastor Jim Baker. And I always try to encourage people in regards to Jim Baker. Uh, we've had him. I've done meetings with him. Uh, he is a fantastic speaker. And, of course, Andrew's the best on the planet. Amen. And so you'll be so blessed. That's our Phoenix, Arizona Truth Conference. We also have, and, and you can register for that at awmi.net, awmi.net. Uh, we also have Stan Foundation and the Called Church Service. This is with Bishop E.W. Jackson. It's the Stand Foundation and the Called Church Service 2024. 
That's January the 27th. That's on a Saturday. And so you need to make plans if at all possible. That's in Chesapeake, Virginia. Uh, it's located and the conference will be located at 700 Conference Center Drive, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23320US. And again, Andrew will be speaking and the Bishop E.W. Jackson. E.W. Jackson actually ran for president this year and just didn't get traction. And I'm not surprised that the mainstream media did their best to probably ignore the bishop. He is over the top great. And I know that'll be a great service for you. Also want to remind you of truthandliberty.net, truthandliberty.net, our website. We have wonderful resources available for you. I'm actually enjoying them more and more myself. Uh, a lot of these news outlets, they're conservative. Uh, they really are bringing news, not propaganda and things of that nature or a, a narrative that they're spinning. And brothers and sisters, we've got some things coming up this, this next year that you're gonna need to, to be informed. And if you're watching mainstream media today, my heart goes out to you. You are, you are not only not informed, that's a double negative, but that's the way I speak sometimes. You're not informed, you're actually being misinformed and, and they will actually cancel true information and facts and what's really going on in our government, in our schools, in our politics at large, and on and on I could go. So there's, there's a 24-hour news feed that is updated every 15 minutes and really good resources for you. Also, all of our truth and liberty programs are archived and you can go back and review them on demand. If there's a program that really speaks to you, we encourage you to, to share with your family and your friends and, and take them to the website, truthandliberty.net, go to the tab on archives and every, every message, every program is archived and, and on demand for your pleasure and for your equipping I believe the things that are coming ahead. So let me just jump into what's on my heart. We had a great program yesterday, had some uh, fireworks uh, that took place and just some things that happened on the broadcast that really caused me to think and to pray about today and what I needed to share today. And I just want to encourage you. I'm not going to be able to cover this in detail, but I want to take your calls uh, and hopefully questions in regards to the subject or to clarify any points I make or other things that you need to hear. I'll try to minister to the callers as well today in regards to the voice of God, the voice of God and hearing the voice of God and being led by the still small voice, the voice again of the Lord. And yet I grew up and I gave my life to the Lord early in life. And I went to church. My family did not serve the Lord. And so I went to church by myself. I was unbelievably hungry for the Lord. Don't want to give my whole testimony. It takes too long. But man, I was hungry for the things of God. And, and actually looking back now, a lot of ministers in the different churches that I wound up attending because of us moving around they really saw the call of God on my life 
and, and took me under their wings. And so I'd have pastors come and pick me up for church. I would ride the bus to church as a kid, the church bus. So I'd walk. Uh, I can't believe how times were so different back then and that my parents would even allow me to walk to church at such an early age, but I'd go to the closest church. My point is, I, I went to church all the time, and yet, and yet I never heard anyone teach on the voice of the Lord and how to hear God's voice or that God speaks. And the main church that I attended most of my teenage years was a Pentecostal church, and man, we'd have speakers come in, and I'd be in nearly every one of those meetings. We'd have revival meetings, and they would talk about, well, the Lord said this to me, and the Lord showed me this. And I would sit there, brothers and sisters, and I would just feel like, well, maybe I'm not saved. I, I've never heard the voice of God. And yet now that I understand the voice of God, God was speaking to me through my, through my early childhood years, my teenage years, and I just didn't recognize it. I didn't discern God's voice. And so I just want to share some basics about God's voice and hearing the voice of God because we've got some challenging times ahead. Uh, COVID-19 was a wake-up call for me. Unfortunately, many in the body of Christ have still not woke up to what's really going on. They, they actually think COVID-19 was about a, a pandemic instead of a panic-demic and fear and manipulation and control and on and on I could go with what was really going on. And the Lord spoke to me that COVID-19 was actually a dress rehearsal for what's coming. And a lot of evil people in power learned how to control the masses, how to manipulate the masses, how to shut down entire countries, brothers and sisters, if you can scare people. And so there's things coming up. There's, there's things we didn't learn in COVID-19 about overreach of government. There are people watching me right now. I love you, but, but you're just, you just don't have a clue that they were actually trying to shut the church down and that the goal of Antichrist is to shut Christ down, to replace Christ, to be that imposter. And the spirit of Antichrist that works in government as well as in other organizations was absolutely shutting the church down, destroying people's careers, trying to empower themselves to say what was essential and non-essential work, those vaccine mandates was about them controlling your body. And if you lose sovereignty truly of your body, then, then they have us. It's over. Freedom is over. The freedom of thought is over. The freedom of speech is over. And the freedom of movement is, is, is over. And that's what communism is all about and socialism and all those things. But if we can hear the voice of God, then we can, we can resist the devil and submit to God. Now, I got that backwards there. In Scripture, we're called in James chapter 4 to submit to God. What is God saying? What is God doing? What is God's will? Resist the devil, and he will flee. And yet many people do not recognize the voice of the devil, Antichrist, versus the voice of God, Jesus. And, and you're going to have to learn to discern God's voice because we got some decisions coming up. 
as, as, as believers, the quality of your life, brothers and sisters, at large is determined by the decisions and choices that you make. And if you can't discern God's voice versus the voice of the enemy, you're going to make some bad decisions and it's going to affect the quality of your life. So let me just start here and jump in on this. Um, I had a guest here uh, a, a month ago and we, we just dove in about deception. And I'm actually in the middle of a series right now of teaching on, on safeguards against deception and that God does not will for us to be deceived. And he's actually commanded us approximately 52 times in the New Testament, we are admonished, do not be deceived. Beware of deceivers that go about to deceive. Do not be deceived. Um, on and on it goes with at least 52 references in the New Testament alone about being deceived. And so how does the devil deceive people? And then how do we safeguard against all this deception? And if you're watching me right now, surely you're aware of the darkness of our culture and how we are growing darker and darker and darker. And within all this darkness is great deception. And people need to be aware of it. And they need to have safeguards in their, in their hearts, their lives, and in their homes, even in their businesses against all this deception. Well, it comes down to can you hear God? Can you hear God's voice? Can you discern God's voice versus the voice of the enemy? In Revelation chapter 13, verse 11, Revelation 13, 11, then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. The, the beast and, and the deceiver looked like a lamb. It kind of felt like a lamb, but it has two horns and it has the voice of a dragon. And I'm telling you, the voice of the dragon right now is roaring in our country. It's roaring um, in our, our, our college campuses. It's roaring in not only our high schools and junior high, but down all the way to the elementary schools. There are people that, that act like they're the lamb look like they're the lamb, that they care about our children. They have compassion on our, our children and are interested in their well-being. And when you listen to them, I don't care what it looks like or what it feels like, it's the voice of the dragon, of the dragon. We see in our culture everything that is, is presented is presented and looks like a lamb, like... Like love wins, that was a popular phrase here just a, a few years ago. And, and man, everybody was, well, love wins. And, and that looks like the lamb. That, that feels like the lamb because God's love does win. God's kind of, of love is, is the lamb. It's the nature of the lamb. It's the heart of the lamb. And, and to a Christian, when you talk about love, that connects me to the lamb. And then you say, love wins. Well, man, I get excited. That's the lamb. But when you examine what they're saying, that, that thing has two horns, and it's the voice of the dragon. They're talking about sexual per perversion, and that when a teacher sleeps with a student, 
Love wins. No, boundaries and authority and an abuse of authority is, is, is what wins. And those boundaries being kept and those, those limits on, on what a teacher can do to a student and, and things of that nature uh, is destroyed. Love doesn't win. Love doesn't win when a father molests a daughter or a mother molests a, a son. Love doesn't win. Maternal, fraternal love dies when, when that happens. And so it can, it can sound like the lamb. It can look like the lamb, but it has the voice of the dragon. And I don't want to. I don't want to offend anybody. Uh, but uh, I wrote about this in my book, Counterculture, on on even the movement of Black Lives Matter. And uh, I remember when I first heard Black Lives Matter, I I got excited. That's the lamb. The phrase Black Lives Matter. That's the lamb, because Black lives really do matter. And I got all excited. And in my ignorance, I, I jumped right on board kind of immediately and said things that got me in big time trouble, white lives matter. Uh, and boy, that, that was offensive. And I said, baby's lives in the womb. Hey, this is a good, this is the lamb. Black lives matter, white lives matter, baby's lives in the womb matter. And today, did you know Jewish lives matter? Jewish lives matter. How about that? Uh, that's the lamb, hallelujah. Uh, and on and on I could go. But see, when you hear them speak, then it's the voice, it's the voice of the dragon within that Black Lives Matter movement. The two founders were Marxists. They were professed Marxists. I'm not saying something about them I heard. That would be, that would be wrong. Um, I heard them say that they were uh, Marxists and trained Marxists, and that the ultimate goal was a revolution and an overthrowing of our government for a socialist, communistic system. Uh, that's the voice of the dragon. Communism and governments void of the one true God has killed millions and millions of people, and yet, and yet people couldn't discern the voice of the dragon. They were marching in the streets saying, what do we want? Dead cops. Dead cops. When do we want them? We want them now. Can I get a witness that's the voice of the dragon? And can I get a witness that marching in the street and burning buildings and businesses down, innocent people's livelihood, that's the voice of the dragon. Looting, stealing, that's the voice of the dragon. You can call it social justice. You can tag it with the lamb's skin but it has two horns and it's the voice of the dragon. And on and on I could go. And again, I don't want to just cause controversy. I'm trying to make a point that the devil always comes as a shining light. Again, social justice. What Christian is against social justice? Man, the throne of God is surrounded by justice. God is a just God. Justice is a part of the nature of God and the, and the will of God in the earth. And so it looks like a lamb when you say social justice, but when you hear what they're saying, there's hate, there's racism, there's, there's false accusations. It has the voice of the dragon. I don't even know if the church can redeem the term social justice. It's been so perverted. And, and if you can't see that, my heart goes out to you, 
appreciate you sticking with me. Uh, at least let me continue. But we have to discern the voice of the dragon, and, and then we have to know the voice of God. Now, listen to me. If you don't know the voice of God, you won't recognize the voice of the dragon. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the scriptures teach us that the devil himself, do not marvel on how that the devil himself transforms himself as an angel of light. The devil doesn't come in a red suit, pointy ears, long tail, and a pitchfork. Okay. No, he, he transforms himself as an angel of light. And then Paul says, and don't be surprised that his ministers are ministers of righteousness. The devil always, always cloaks the lie with some type of light. He'll always come in the name of compassion, the name of justice, the name of I care, etc., etc. And and if you don't know the voice of God and can't discern the voice of the dragon, you're going to be deceived. You're going to make poor choices for your family, for your for your lives. And so let's look at John 10 and what Jesus said about the voice of God in John John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings them out to his own sheep, he goes before them. Notice, notice the Lord goes before you. He's leading you. He goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow the stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the stranger. Now, that's, that's just profound at many levels. And again, it just absolutely takes hours probably to unpackage that to massage it properly. But I just want to bring out a couple of points. Jesus said his sheep know his voice. They hear his voice, and they know his voice. And the voice of the stranger, they, they don't follow the voice of the stranger. They don't, they don't know the voice of the stranger. Now, that takes explanation because, again, I grew up thinking I never heard the voice of God. And I would hear other people at church say, the Lord showed me, the Lord told me, the Lord said this. And, and, and I just felt like maybe I'm not saved because I'm, I'm not hearing the voice of God. I thought the voice of God was like this audible, booming, indescribable, audible voice either on the inside or the outside speaking to me. And as far as I knew, I had never heard an audible, an audible voice. And so I was looking for and listening for this audible voice versus someone teaching me from the Word of God, what is the language of the Holy Spirit? What is the voice of God? How does God speak? Had someone taught me that, I would have begun to recognize even what Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, 
He, he talked about the voice of God, and he discovered that the voice of God was this still, small voice, that he was seeking God, he was listening for God, and there was this fire, and God wasn't in the fire. There was this wind, and God wasn't in the wind, and then an earthquake, and God wasn't in the earthquake, earthquake but then there was this still, small voice. Now that, now, that was very new to Elijah, and God in the past had spoken out of fire. He spoke to Moses out of a burning bush, out of fire, a fire that didn't burn the bush up and that got Moses' attention. And so there was history of God speaking out of a fire, but he wasn't in the fire when Elijah was in the cave running from Jezebel and seeking God. And, and, and so now he, he, there, was a, there was a wind. And in the past, God had spoken in a whirlwind. Job 38, 1, God spoke to Job out of a, 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 a whirlwind. And, and so now he's not in the wind. And then the, and then the earth earthquake. But then there was this still small voice. So whatever the language of the Holy Spirit is, and I'm, I'm going to try to hurry through my first uh, segment is nearly up, uh, but I'll start taking your calls hopefully and then elaborate on this. It's this still small voice, this inward voice, and it's not always audible. Now, don't misunderstand me. God can and does speak audibly. He spoke to Israel, the whole nation one time audibly, and it, it just literally scared them. Uh, they didn't want to hear God anymore. That didn't go well. The audible voice of God didn't go well. It was like thunder and lightning, and it scared them. And they, they actually said to Moses, we don't want to hear. Stupidest thing Israel ever done. They definitely done some dumb things. But this one is like at the top five of, of, of dumb, dumb. Uh, we don't want to hear God Tell him not to speak to us. You go, and he'll speak to you, and you come and speak to us. So the audible voice of God didn't go well there. There was another time in the New Testament in the Gospels where God spoke audibly, and, and some people heard different things. Uh, some people just thought it was thunder, just like in the Old Covenant. There was, they thought it was just thunder and lightning, uh, God's audible voice. So the point I'm trying to make is God can speak audibly, and I'm not saying he doesn't speak audibly. I'm saying that's the exception to the rule, not the rule. There's the language of the Holy Spirit, and I had to learn it. I had to be taught. How does God speak? And what is this still, small voice, this inward intuition, this in, inward impression? And why? why is the inward voice of God in our lives, a still small voice, two major reasons. Number one, the reason it's a still small voice is God is so, so close to you. Jesus is in you. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. He's literally one with your spirit. He's united to your spirit. If you're born again, your spirit is one spirit with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, Colossians 1, 27 says, Christ is in you the hope of all glory. So God is so close to us and nigh to us and united to us. Man, if he, if he spoke too loud, it would blow the windows of our heart out. And so it's a still small voice because he's so close. So you have to get still to discern, discern the voice of God. Number two, number two is God is humble. 
And this is new to so many people. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am lowly of heart. I am meek and, and humble of heart. God is a meek God. God's not arrogant and proud and loud. God's not arrogant, proud, and loud. It's a still, small voice because we serve a humble God, and you have to get still to discern it and to hear it. And that's why the devil wants you to be in a hurry all the time and a bunch of noise going on all the time to drown out the voice because God is speaking to you, I promise you. And I'll get into that on the other side of this break. We're going to take a 90-second break and then start taking your calls. Thanks for being a part of Truth and Liberty. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we have big plans to make a big impact. If you want to be a part of turning our nation back to God, I want to invite you to become a supporter of Truth and Liberty. You can go on our website at truthandliberty.net to the donate page and make a gift there. And you can also sign up to be uh, make a recurring automatic gift of $5 or more per month, and then you'll become a Truth and Liberty member. And uh, our gifts to Truth and Liberty are not tax deductible, but I promise you God sees your generosity. So go to Truth and Liberty and become a member today. Have you been praying about how to make your business your mission field? GospelTruth.tv Business features leadership and financial stewardship training from industry experts. Learn the next steps to building wealth and using it to grow God's kingdom. Tune in Saturdays to GospelTruth.tv Business and watch anytime with GospelTruth.tv Premium. Visit GospelTruth.tv today for biblical teaching you can trust. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Truth and Liberty. I'm your host, Dwayne Sheriff. I didn't even introduce myself earlier, uh, but I'm Dwayne Sheriff, and I'm hosting today Truth and Liberty, and I'm just sharing about the voice of God and some simple things the Lord taught me, and I had to dig these out on my own years ago because there just wasn't any teaching, and I didn't know how to discern the voice of God. I was, I was looking for this audible, booming overwhelming voice and I discovered it's a still small voice and that it may not be in the known tongue English that there is a and I'm saying English for me this is an international broadcast your your uh, native language may not be English but you have a dominant language in your culture or your country and in the kingdom of God there's a language that's common to all of us, regardless of our natural native language, the language of the Holy Spirit is very real. And again, I had to be taught these things. Let me go back to John 10 real quick. Jesus said, if we're his sheep, we hear his voice and we know his voice. And yet I wavered about my salvation uh, years ago because I didn't feel like I heard the voice of God. Again, Jesus is speaking. If you're born again, he's speaking to you. You just have to learn to tune in. 
The Holy Spirit is leading you supernaturally. You and I just need to learn to take heed to the lead of the Holy Spirit. And again, Jesus said that we hear him and we know his voice. And there's a good example of this that helped me in John chapter 14, where Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he said, guys, basically, you know where I'm going and you know the way. And Thomas spoke up and said, Lord, we don't know where you're going and how can we know the way? (laughs) Now think about that for a minute. Jesus said they knew where he was going and they knew the way. Thomas said, we've got no idea where you're going and how can we know the way? I'm going to help you out a little bit. Somebody missed it. Somebody, somebody missed it and they missed it terribly. Either Jesus missed it when he said they know where he was going and they know the way or Thomas missed it when he said, we don't know where you're going and we don't know the way. Now, I don't know how sharp this audience is, but uh, I bet you can guess who missed it. Somebody missed it, and let me help you, it wasn't Jesus. It's kind of like, which hand is the peanut in? (laughs) If you can't figure out which hand is the peanut in, I'm not sure I can help you, but I'm going to try. Jesus said they knew it. They said they didn't know it. So how do you reconcile that? Listen carefully. They didn't know what they knew. Jesus said they knew it. So they must have known it. But they weren't conscious of it. They didn't know what they knew. And I'm telling you, you know the voice of God. You can hear the voice of God, even though you may not recognize it. And that's what happened. When I learned the language of the Holy Spirit, it's like, oh my goodness, God has been speaking to me all these years. Let me just do this real quick before I get into some basics. In Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter chapter 8, Paul here talks about this inner witness that we have as Christians, this intuition in, in our inner man, this knowing things that passes knowledge that passes carnal knowledge. And he talks about how because of what Jesus did at the cross and because of your faith in him and the death of your old man and that old nature in Adam being crucified and now you have a new nature in Christ, in your spirit, he says, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you by the spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Notice all these deeds of the body need to be put to death. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So, You have an intuitive knowledge of your new condition in Christ and that you are a son or a daughter now of God. And notice he said, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. You are led by the Spirit. Again, you may not be conscious of it. You may not understand 
how the Holy Spirit never leaves you, is constantly communicating to you in your spirit. And if you'll choose to hear, you have ears to hear now, and he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Mark chapter 4, Jesus talked about having ears to hear. Revelation 2, Revelation 3, to the churches, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear. You have to choose to hear, and you have to yield and heed the lead of the Holy Spirit. You have to mix faith with the Word of God. Hearing the voice of God and being led by the Spirit of God is as much a promise of God as any other promise in the Bible, and you have to mix faith with it. But God is speaking to you. This is what changed my life. I was trying for years to do things to get God to speak to me, to get God to lead me. That is law. That is performance-based Christianity. That's a form of legalism. Grace turned my life around, and I began to see, wait a minute, God is speaking to me. I just have to tune in. I just have to, to learn to yield, to listen, to choose to hear. It's kind of like radio signals are in the air. You don't have to do anything to create them, but you do have to have a transformer. You have to have a radio, and you have to tune in to the signal that's already here. You and I have to learn to tune in to the signal, the witness that's already on the inside of you. One more thing, and I'll start taking a few calls here, and I'll keep trying to, to hopefully your calls will help me deal with things you're interested in in regards to the leading of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the language of the Holy Spirit, because he speaks in dreams. He speaks in visions. He speaks in intuitions, impressions, uh, prophecy, uh, peace, um, righteousness, joy. These are the language of the Holy Spirit and him speaking to you. And I'll show you some scriptures here in a minute. The illustration God gave me was the, one of the best I've, I've, I've ever had uh, in my relationship with the Lord was that the Spirit of God on the inside of you speaking to you and leading you is like a GPS system, God's supernatural GPS system through Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the new birth, you've got this GPS system, navigating system on the inside of you. And just like in your, in your vehicles, when you put in a destination, the lady comes on and basically says, for two miles, stay straight, and at the next red light, turn left. And, and on and on it goes with leading, with communicating direction. And many times we just miss the directions. We override the directions. We dismiss the directions. I, I've got so many women telling me what to do in my life. Uh, my daughters, my, my wife, my secretaries, uh, that sometimes I just, when that lady comes on, I'm, I'm not listening. <laughs> I'm not paying attention like I need to be, and sometimes I think I know better. Just like with my wife, I'm usually wrong, but I think I know better. And so I'll override the directions in the GPS system and sure enough get lost, but you'll hear her come back on and say, recalculating your route, recalculating your route. And then she'll say, do a U-turn at the next stoplight. Do you know what that is? That's how the Holy Spirit works in your life. He doesn't leave or forsake you when you when you misstep, when you override and don't heed the lead, 
He loves you. He'll never leave or forsake you. He's on the inside of you. He never departs. And he'll tell you. You'll hear the Holy Spirit say, you need to repent. You need to do a U-turn. Repent means turn around, change your mind, change your direction. That's him leading you. That's him speaking to you. And how many of you know if that lady can recalculate your route and get you to your destination, God can recalculate your route no matter how many off ramps you've taken on the road of God's best for your life, there's an on-ramp that the Holy Spirit will get you back up on the highway of God's best for your life if you simply yield to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's the voice of God when you know you need to repent. Amen. And so on and on I could go with uh, illustrations, um, but I want to eventually at least look at some of the how God speaks. What is this language? But before I go to the cause, let me end with this. It is your birthright, your new birthright to hear the voice of God. You can hear the voice of God. God is speaking to you. And you do know that voice. And once you begin to discern it, once you begin to tune into it, oh my gosh, you'll recognize the voice of the dragon so fast that it'll make your friend's head swim <laughs> because you know the voice of the shepherd. And you may discern the voice of the dragon, the stranger, but you're not going to follow the voice of the stranger. All right, let's go to Celeste in Indiana. Uh, thank you so much for calling, Celeste. I appreciate it. Uh, what's your question, please? Um, I've called in a couple times. You had sent me a book, and I appreciate it. Um, but lately it's been so hectic. I moved away from my boyfriend. Uh, this has been 22 years after he got out of Iraq. He was just really insane and just getting violent. So anything mm, I did, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, that's okay. I've been to so many counseling sessions, but I do believe Jesus died for my sins, but, uh, my raised me in a church. They're just, um, if you hear that in the background, it's just a big, huge, they're just, taking the dog to the cage anyway um it's just i moved here to my parents and it's craziness so it's like one frying pan at the next i'm trying to get into the julian center it's a help center for like abused women and mental abuse and stuff um so i'm trying to do all that but i was just wondering like in the midst of all this evil and then yeah i get so jealous like why the apostles got to see jesus so we don't get to see him and that's hard for me because it's not tangible and I feel him, though. Well, not, let, me, let me encourage you with that, though, uh, Celeste. Um, yes, the disciples, they all saw Jesus. They saw the miracles. They saw the feeding of the thousands a couple of times. They saw the dead raised. They saw the blind eyes open. So they, they saw a lot of things, but it did not benefit them in the long run, in the natural, when Jesus was was hung on the cross and died on the cross. They all forsook him but John, and they even Peter uh, denied him three times the night he was betrayed. So I used to feel that way too, that boy, if I'd have just been able to see all of it and touch it like they did, then this would be so real to me. No, they weren't committed unto death till after the resurrection of Jesus, and after they saw him no more, but were born again. 
And remember, Celeste, Jesus said, blessed, blessed are they that believe and have not seen. Did you know Jesus puts a greater blessing on your faith for believing and not seeing versus believing because we do see? Because a lot of things we believe, Celeste, that we see can sometimes deceive us. But believing based on the Word of God and the witness of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, that blesses Jesus. Jesus is more blessed with you because you believe and have not seen than had you seen. So let me encourage you with that. Secondly, um, have you called the prayer line here at AWMI um, and I had people pray for you? They should, yeah. Uh, yeah, you need to call. It, the, these people are so trained in prayer. Celeste, I promise it'll make a difference. Let me give that prayer line out. I don't know if you have pen and paper and you can get this. I'll give it out again if you don't have it right now, but there's others that need to know this. We have a 24-hour, seven-days-a-week prayer line here, and these prayer partners are absolutely awesome, and they've been trained on how to pray, and, and they'll make a difference. It'll make a difference getting people to pray with you. And I just hear your heart. Let me give you the number, 719-635-1111. That's 719-635-1111. And, and get them to pray with you. And, and they will even help maybe send you some material. Andrew has some tremendous material on the voice of God being led by the Lord. I've got good things on my website uh, they'll put that up later for you. But I want to encourage you to, to be encouraged that your faith in Jesus not having seen is blessed. And then secondly, that you learn what I'm talking about because God is with you. He's not left you. He loves you. He just wants you to learn now how to heed the lead of the Holy Spirit. God is speaking to you, Celeste. You just have to learn to tune in. So, was there anything else before I let you go? Uh, no, no, you answered it. I'd probably call that prayer line and get some prayer. So. Yeah, do that. And then all of us are in the middle of all this evil darkness. Let me just say this to you. In, in, in the book of Exodus, when, when there was gross darkness, deception, evil over Egypt, the Bible says there was a light in Goshen. And Goshen is where the Hebrews lived the children of God lived. And when it was the darkest on the planet it's ever been, there was light in Goshen. There's light in the kingdom and in Jesus and in, 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 in the community of faith. And so be encouraged. Let your light shine, Celeste. God bless you for calling. All right, let's go to AJ in Michigan. Uh, thank you for calling AJ. And what is your question, please? Hey, Pastor Dwayne. I was wondering if people who don't have a moral compass, uh, even have the ability to hear from God. Yeah, uh, we all have the ability, regardless of our condition, regardless of our resistance to God or, or walking away from God, we all have the ability to hear, to hear God. Uh, even lost people, the Holy Spirit is convicting them constantly of, of sin, not their sins, but the Holy Spirit is constantly speaking to them, uh, convicting them, um, even using their conscience 
to convict them of sin. And in John chapter 8, Jesus said the sin, that the Holy Spirit even, is convicting or speaking to lost people. Uh, spoke to me when I was lost, uh, was the sin of unbelief, the sin of rejecting Jesus. The Holy Spirit doesn't convict lost people of their sins, plural. Jesus died for their sins, and they can't repent of their sins uh, and change because of their sin nature. They have to repent of the rejection of Jesus, the rejection of the cross, the sin of unbelief, and have faith now, believe. Whosoever believeth and is baptized shall be, shall be saved. And so even lost people have the ability to hear God in the main thing that is the main thing, who is Jesus. And the Holy Spirit speaks to them. Those of us that are saved now and even strayed, we have the capability always. God is always speaking to us no matter what road we take, no matter how we fall off into darkness, God never leaves or forsakes us. And so, yeah, we all can hear God at, at any second because he never quits speaking. Uh, he never quits leading. We have to reject it to get off into the darkness we're in. But the minute we accept it, he recalculates our route. So thanks for the question, AJ. I appreciate it very, very much. I, I know that the questions a lot of times, you know, help other people. There are thousands of people watching that'll never call. And so thank you for the question. Was there anything else before I let you go? Okay, let's go to Frank, one of our friends, a frequent caller. Uh, I love Frank. Uh, thanks for calling, Frank. Uh, what's on your mind today? Hey, buddy. Uh, it, praise God. I, I just love you so. You're so focused, man. <laughs> it just blows well, thank all you, my Frank. Music. And you know, <laughs> hey, I, I don't want to make, I don't want to make fun or nothing. But you know, you're way better yeah. than Johnny Carson or Jerry Leno or. It, it, but you uh. know, we're doing this. For, we're doing this for way a different. Oh my we're God. We're doing this for eternal, eternal things, right? Amen. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, no, I've I never had anybody say that to me, Frank, but <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no, thank you, know, thank you man. It's a, and I do got a question, but I, I wondered if I could I could share. And it really is about a physical manifestation, uh, uh, a supernatural physical manifestation that I, I went through eight weeks of a school in 86, a school of ministry, Gerald Durstein School of Ministry, you know in Bradenton, Sarasota, Florida. And at the end of the okay. eight weeks, Ger Gerald is saying, go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. And at the end of that, I'm, I'm, we've got about two or three days to disperse or whatever. And uh, and uh, uh, I got a roommate for eight weeks, Terry Charles. Anyways, he was uh, my roommate in, in uh, Maranatha Manor. It was Maranatha Manor and uh, Miracle Motel. I think we were in Miracle Motel, which was like the lower class, whatever. Anyhow, <laughs> and, 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 uh, and, and a story that we're both sound asleep, 3 o'clock in the morning, and literally I, I felt somebody uh, uh, pulling on my leg or pulling me out of the bed. And I'm, you know, I'm saying, you know, if that guy's messing with me, he's 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 in trouble. But he was just sound yeah. asleep, and and uh, I was being pulled out of the bed, and I and I heard a 
uh, it was like an audible voice, or it was a voice in a in a cloud or in a manifestation of. I mean, we were just eight solid weeks of nothing but the Word of God, man, morning, noon, and night, and and and, uh, being pulled out of this bed and saying, uh, even as I pulled you out of this bed, I pulled you out of the miry clay and set your feet upon a rock and established you're going up wow. a song in your mouth. Many shall see it in fear and trust. Don't be afraid. I put ground up underneath your feet and, mm. and, and, and on, on and on. And right after that, there was like this four-foot black hairy creature showed up, and I just started speaking in tongues and saying, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, and it, and it left out. So you know, God. my question is about physical manifestation. You know, it's like, yeah. am, I, am I crazy? Yeah. or? <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, I, let, please don't make me make the judgment whether or not you're crazy, Frank. Uh, <laughs> the jury may still be out on that. <laughs> but what you're saying, no, the Lord manifests in so many different ways. That's what I was going to get into. I'd rather take calls and answer questions directly. But the language of the Holy Spirit is 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 in Acts chapter 2 it talks about dreams and visions and prophecy that your young men will have dreams and visions your old men will dream uh, your handmaidens and servants they'll all prophesy uh, so these these are different languages of the Holy Spirit visions and dreams he speaks to us in so many different ways uh, as far as manifestations uh, we have to be careful there in discerning. But obviously, the enemy came immediately to steal that word, which the scriptures say happened, that when we receive a word from the Lord, the enemy will come immediately to steal that word that was in our heart. I, I had a situation when I was in college. I had just had an open vision of the cross. My life was turned upside down. I was about to quit college and go into Bible school. And uh, man, I've only told this story once, maybe twice publicly, uh, because it's it's so just over the top. But I was in Orlando, Florida at the time, and I had an old red pickup truck, and I went out after after or before tennis practice. I missed tennis practice that day because I was in the woods, and I was on my truck, and 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 this was a demonic manifestation. But there were six snakes that came out of the woods and surrounded my truck, literally surrounded my truck. I was on the hood of my truck. And for hours, they circled my my truck. And I had just had an open vision of the cross, yielded to the call of God. God had spoken to me literally about Job, of all things, a revelation out of Job. And uh, it was demonic, and I couldn't get off of my truck, and I had to rebuke them. And uh, so the enemy can manifest and 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 God can definitely manifest and speak to us in in ways. We just have to learn to discern and take heed to the lead. Uh, and I appreciate the the, the story, the story, uh, Frank, and the call. I hope that helps somebody. All right, let's take a call from Elizabeth in Missouri. Uh, thank you, Elizabeth, for calling. What is your question, please? Hello, Pastor Duane. I want to thank you, first of all, for this timely program and all the programs. Thank you. They're just so wonderful. But um, as far as the, um, I I was just wondering if you had some suggestions of how to sharpen our 
uh, ear to the Lord. Oh, excellent. When, excellent. You know, excellent. in a time where we're so distracted and so yes. busy, and yes. you get pulled this way and that way, and the next uh, thing you know, you're dull. We're, you are spot on, Elizabeth. Thank you for the humility. Thank you for the question. Again, thousands of people, I guarantee you, if they'd get the courage to call, would have a question down that, down that, down that line. Um, were you by any chance, can I ask you a quick question? Did you by any chance see our program yesterday with Pastor Jacob? I did. Okay, good. Uh, that was part of what we were trying to communicate yesterday about Advent and about four weeks before Christmas, focusing on the Lord. So ways to sharpen your inner ear. Uh, Frank hit on it. He didn't, he didn't uh, articulate it specifically, but he talked about eight weeks of just being saturated in the Word of God. The Word of God and rhythms and disciplines. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about studying the Bible to earn something from God or uh, reading your Bible to, to impress God, any of those kind of things. But the spiritual practice of feeding on God's Word, meditating on God's Word, that's how I sharpened the inner ear early in my Christian life was through Christian meditation. I've got a, I've got a tape on this, some teaching on just Christian meditation. You have, to, you have to clarify Christian meditation versus just transcendental meditation and the philosophies of meditation in the world. But there is biblical Christian meditation. That sharpens your inner ear. Uh, um, studying the Word of God intensely. Fasting. Uh, fasting does not move God, but fasting is shutting down my senses to sharpen and hone in on my spirit and that inner witness. I'm going to have to take a break. Uh, Elizabeth, I can't thank you enough for the question. It's helping me focus and I think help a lot of people. I'll pick this up in 90 seconds. We're going to take a 90-second break. We have some more calls and questions that have come in. I'll try to get them all in as quick as I can. Thanks for calling. Are you in ministry and want to connect with other like-minded ministers? Andrew Womack founded the Association of Related Ministries International, or ARMY, to serve, equip, and empower you for success in your ministry through relationships, community, and resources. But just being a part of this uh, being filled with the Word of God and with army and fellowshipping, knowing that I have other ministers with me, it is awesome. We have met such precious people through army. Uh, there's people I know I can call when I'm in a jam. Ministers have a safe place to come. We can unify and unite for the kingdom. As an army member, some of the benefits you'll enjoy are Bible teaching correspondence courses, regional advocates for personal support and ministry, regional events for networking, one-on-one -on -one ministry and encouragement, our monthly newsletter, and more. You don't have to do ministry alone. Join this growing network of dynamic and elite ministers from across the U.S. and around the world today. 
Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Hey everyone, welcome back to Truth and Liberty. We've got an exciting show going. I'm so grateful for the audience and for the body of Christ. And when we are able to do a format like this, the questions help, the calls help, the input helps other people that are listening. So thanks for calling. I need to go back to, I believe it was Elizabeth, on how to, how to tune in, how to sensitize yourself to that inner witness that impression of the Holy Spirit, that witness of the Holy Spirit, and the different ways He speaks. You do have to be still and, and, and know the Lord, the Scriptures say. You do have to discipline yourself to shut down the noise. I had ended that segment with the concept of fasting. I come up under a system where you fasted to get God to speak. You fasted to get God to move. That's legalism. That's that's performance-based Christianity that I can do something to get God to do something is just a waste of your time. If you're fasting uh, to get God to speak or to move, uh, He's not impressed with your hunger strike. You are not going to be able to strong-arm God and say, hey, I'm not going to eat till you speak. The good news is you're going to die if you hang in there long enough, and then you'll meet God, and then He'll speak. You'll hear Him speak. But you're not going to manipulate God to move. You're not going to manipulate Him to speak. No, I'm fasting to move me closer to God, not God closer to me. I'm fasting to shut down my five physical senses that are screaming at me. Have you ever had your senses screaming at you? Your, your eyes, what you see is more real than what you believe, what you feel is more real than what you believe. you got to shut some of that down. And so fasting and these rhythms of fasting in our lives, Jesus didn't say if we fast, but when we fast. So fasting is me harnessing my five physical senses and denying them so that I can listen and hear the still small voice on the inside of me, God's inner witness, inner impressions. Um, yielding myself to what he's already saying. And so fasting and prayer does that. Meditating does that. Rhythms of the community and assembling yourself together. One of the reasons we assemble ourselves together is to sensitize our hearts to hear what God is saying. So the inner ear is developed and can be developed through simple spiritual practices, uh, rhythms of God's grace in your life. Uh, and so thank you so much for the question, Elizabeth. I believe that helps, again, a lot of people. All right, let's go to Brianna in Wisconsin. Thank you for calling. We're, we're glad to hear from Wisconsin. What's your question, Brianna? Um, what would the world be like if Adam and, Adam and Eve hadn't sinned? Paradise. <laughs> it would be, it would be unimaginable. And let me tell you what it would be like. It will be like what it will be like at the second coming of Jesus. 
Jesus is coming back and he's going to restore all things back unto himself and God's original plan for man will be the new heaven and the new earth. It'll be just like it was in the garden. When Jesus comes back, there'll be no more sin in the world. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more poverty. There'll be no more racism. There'll be no more perversions. Everything will be as it originally was in the garden, and it'll be wonderful. This is a part of the, the blessed hope that we have now. And again, Brianna, I don't know if you saw our broadcast yesterday, but Pastor Jacob covered Advent. Advent means the arrival, the first arrival of Jesus. And he came in a humble setting as a baby, I say born in a barn, uh, again, magnifying the humility of God, the love of God for us to become one of us and identify with us in that way and live in a dark world, an evil world, and yet he shined as the light. He has promised that he will come back again and that, again, original creation had no sin, it had no death, it had no evil. So that's what the world is going to look like again because of Jesus Christ and because of the new birth, the new creation. When you get born again, Brianna, we become a new creation in Christ, but that's our spirit. Your spirit is the part of you that's born again. It's perfect. It's holy. It's righteous. It's complete. It's in union with Jesus himself. But there's two-thirds of us, our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, our thoughts, that are needing cleansed daily. And then there's our bodies that we live in. It can't enter the kingdom of God. It has to be sown in death. But if Jesus comes back today, we're all getting new bodies. We're all having an update in uh, our brains and our souls remo renewed. We're going to know him even as we're known. We're going to see him face to face and we're going to rule and reign in the earth forever and ever with Jesus. So have hope, Bible hope, that a, a, a new heaven and a new earth have already begun and are on the way and it's going to be beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Man, flowers are going to be prettier than they've ever been. Uh, the trees are going to be just gorgeous and the colors, and it's just going to be awesome. So thanks for the call, Brianna. I hope I answered the question for you. Uh, you got me a little bit excited about what's coming, and I'm, I'm very hopeful. All right, let's go to Kathleen. Kathleen in Alabama. Uh, it's good to hear from Alabama, Kathleen. Thanks for calling. Uh, yes, sir. My question is, what is our responsibility as believers to our unsaved family? Uh, that's excellent. <clears throat> I, I think your family many times are the hardest people to, to win to the Lord because they, they only see us after the flesh. It's kind of like what Jesus said about a prophet uh, not being honored in his own hometown uh, because people tend to, if they know us too intimately, they just see us after our flesh. And so that doesn't exempt us, though, from being a witness to our family, for loving our family. Let me just give you a, a, a few coaching hints. When it comes to our family and really just about anybody else in witnessing, 
we don't need to be answering questions nobody's asking. We don't need to be imposing upon people, but we need to be quick to share our faith. We need to be quick to share our passion and love for the Lord. And so I think we have a responsibility to our families to still be a witness, but just be aware that many times it's our family that's the hardest to reach. Now, I had the privilege of leading everyone in my family ultimately to the Lord. But when I had my open vision of the cross in May of 1980, no one in my family was saved. Uh, and man, I just had a radical transformation. I had gotten saved earlier, but I was trying to serve the Lord all by myself. And so my family still saw my flaws, my sarcasm, my mistakes, my flesh. And so even when I, I, I had the open vision of the cross in 1980, man, my family kind of thought I was kooky. They thought I kind of fell off the cliff. And maybe I did. <laughs> but boy, that's the best cliff I've ever fallen off of. And to my family's credit, um, they all thought it would be temporary. They thought I was just, I don't know what they actually thought, but I know they thought it wouldn't last. And so they watched me. So let me encourage you that your family's watching you. So, so do the right thing. Uh, repent when you do the wrong thing. I think being a witness doesn't mean we are always right. Being a witness of the resurrection doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. Being a witness is a part of us repenting when we mess up. So be quick to repent to your family, uh, in front of your family, but be the witness after so many years, I wound, up, I wound up leading my brother to the Lord, who's serving the Lord faithfully, um, struggles, but man, he loves the Lord. I led my sister to the Lord. She's actually in church on a regular basis and just awesome. And so I'm so proud of her. Uh, I led my dad to the Lord uh, in being a witness. I didn't impose anything on him, but he watched me. And then he saw the ministry just explode and so he started asking me questions. And man, did I get excited about that. I think maybe that's why I like people calling in and asking questions. And I appreciate you, Kathleen, as well. Uh, but I led my dad to the Lord. And then I led my mom to the Lord on her deathbed. She fought the hardest, but she knew it was real. And she accepted Jesus before she, she died, uh, which was pretty, pretty awesome. I actually had a friend that was a part of witnessing to her. Uh, so be faithful to repent, be humble and honest before your family. And if you mess up, fess up, but be faithful also to love Jesus and to obey him and follow him. And as the door opens, speak into their lives. Last thing, and then I'll let you go. Um, Matthew chapter nine says that we need to pray to the Lord of the harvest, that he will send laborers into the harvest. Well, I prayed for God to send laborers across my family's path that would either sow seeds that I could water later or the seeds that I had sown, maybe they'll water them. And so pray for your family. That's a responsibility we have is to pray for our family for, for God to send laborers, people that can identify with them. Sometimes it's hard to identify with our family, our differences and things, but there are people in their lives that know Jesus that the Holy Spirit wants to send across their path. Then number two, you be, Kathleen, I believe it's Kathleen, 
Kathleen, you need to be the laborer now that somebody else is praying for to come across their family's path. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. In other words, I, I'm a, when I witness to somebody that's not my family, probably their family is praying for a laborer, and I'm the laborer that God sent answering their prayers. And then I'm praying for God to send laborers to my family, and when they're obedient to witness, that's an answer to my prayers. So that's kind of where our responsibility is for our family, and I, I hope that helps. All right. Um, another question that has come in, thank you again, Kathleen, for calling. Another question that we have is, does God ever speak in anger? Um, man, I kind of appreciate that question. Does God speak in anger? Um, I, I'm not sure exactly how to elaborate fully on an answer, but I can say this from a biblical perspective. Isaiah chapter 54 specifically says that God will never be angry with you and I ever, ever again. That he speaks to us in loving kindness. He speaks to us in tender mercies. And so because of the cross and because of Jesus bearing our sins on the cross and God's anger and curses and punishment, he'll never be angry or wroth with us again. So God's not screaming at us. God's not hollering at us. <laughs> That's why you got to get still and know the Lord. That's why it's that still, small voice. He's not speaking in anger. He speaks in love, even in chastening us. It's either Hebrews chapter, I think it's Hebrews 12, that talks about the chastening of the Lord. And that even in God chastening us, disciplining us, just like God tells me, to never, ever discipline, discipline a child in anger. God would never discipline me in anger. God disciplines me in love, in loving kindness, in tender mercies. And just like as a shepherd, I don't discipline anyone in ministry in anger, but out of love. So... I don't believe God is going to, to speak to you out of, of anger. All right, does God only speak to believers or will he speak to non-believers? Again, the only reason you're a believer is because God spoke to you. <laughs> it was the Holy Spirit that convicted you and I. Convicted, that's God speaking. See, the language of God is conviction. I may not hear an audible voice, but I sense conviction when I've done something wrong, when I've stepped off of the, the path that's the path of light that grows brighter and brighter as the day approaches onto any path of darkness. There's a conviction. There's the Holy Spirit speaking in conviction to repent. Uh, and before we get saved, it's the Holy Spirit that speaks to us. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals Jesus to us. Let me just say again, what is the language of the Holy Spirit? Revelation. Every time you get a revelation of God, God reveals something. You see something, that's God's voice. That's God speaking to you. It may not be audible. It may not be in your known tongue of, in my case, English, but it's God speaking to me. The vision I had of the cross in May of 1980 
That was God speaking to me. He was speaking to me, revealing his son, revealing. I heard my identification with Christ. By seeing it, I heard it on the inside of me. And so God definitely speaks to non-believers. And now you who are believers, you have a birthright, a new birthright to hear the voice, the voice of God. Uh, this is a good question. This is a good question that came in. Uh, does God ever give the silent treatment? <laughs> I love that. Oh, let me just say this about God's voice. God speaks more in silence than babbling philosophers of our day. I believe God speaks to us in silence. Now, I think the question is 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 angling and coming at this from the angle of, of God saying as if he's angry maybe or he's displeased with us and I'm not talking to you. Uh, God never does that. God doesn't even keep an account of a wrong done. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you have 16 verses 4 through 8. You have 16 character traits of God and God is love. Uh, and one of those character traits is he's not easily provoked and he takes no account or record of a wrong done. God is not upset at us ever and given us the silent treatment even when we do something wrong. And, and, and this may be Dwayneology. I'm, I'm speaking from experience. Uh, you know, I've heard people preach from the pulpit that if we, if we sin, God won't talk to us. God won't fellowship with us. And they get that out of 1 John, and I get what they're trying to say. If, if, you're, if you're having an affair right now, uh, hopefully we can all agree that's darkness. That's, that's wrong. That's sin. God's not fellowshipping with you in the sin. But God doesn't leave you, and God doesn't quit talking to you. It's God that's talking to you right now in conviction. If you're having an affair the voice of the Lord is loud on the inside of you right now to repent, to turn, to get off of that, that, that county road that leads to death and get back up on the highway of God's best for your life. And so even in sin, I hear God when I have misspoke, when I've mishandled somebody, I hear the Holy Spirit immediately. He's not... He's not fellowshipping with me in the sin, but he's still with me. He didn't leave me, and he's talking to me. Dwayne, that's not right. Now, as far as the audible voice of God, I think we have a question that came in, you know, in regards to the, the audible voice. Yeah, one of the questions that came in was, have I ever heard the audible voice of God? I believe that it was so clear on the inside of me, it was as if it was audible. I don't know if it was audible, uh, but it sounded audible. And I've definitely heard my name countless numbers of times. I've heard the Lord say, Dwayne, that's not right. Dwayne, you need to make that right. Now, to me, that's, that's audible. It's, it's, it's my language, but I can't say it's audible. It's like thoughts, impressions. Again, in the book of Acts, you'll find that, that Paul was being led by the Holy Spirit 
And one time he said he was pressed in his spirit and that moved him in a direction. Pressed in his spirit. That's the language of the Holy Spirit. You can feel pressed in your spirit. One other time he saw so much idolatry going on, it says he was stirred in his spirit and went into the synagogue and ministered. So there's stirrings in your spirit. Uh, the Lord has spoken to me in, in many visions. I, I had a, a, a friend whose daughter ran away one time, and they called, and I was praying for this daughter and for us to find them. And how many of you know, if, if a daughter ran away, the Holy Spirit knows where the daughter is. We don't, but the Holy Spirit does. And so I asked the Lord, Lord, where, where is she? Show me where she, she is. And I had a mini vision, what I call a mini vision. God spoke to me in a vision. Acts chapter 2, verse 12 through, through 16 or 16 through 18 talks about when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we'll have dreams. God speaks in dreams. Visions, he speaks in visions. And I literally saw this girl in a phone booth. And yes, young people, there used to be phone booths. Uh, <laughs> This was a few years ago. And I saw this girl in a, a phone booth, and I saw a street, a name of a street. And I asked my friend, the father, do you know where this street is, and is there a phone booth there? And he said, yes, I know exactly where it's at. And they drove out there, and there she was in the phone booth making a call. And so that's God speaking in, in a vision. It wasn't audible. It was just a flash. I've been driving down the road, and I'd see a, 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 a face. And see, I used to dismiss that, thinking that's just my imagination or that's just my own mind. And I didn't test it. You have to test the spirits. First John chapter 4 talks about trying the spirits, testing the spirits, and don't believe every spirit, but test them whether or not they are of God for there had been many false prophets even at that time that had gone out into the world. And so you learn as you walk with God. Now, again, I'm not talking to, 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 to people who aren't serious. I'm talking to people who love Jesus now. And in your walk with the Lord, you learn to discern. You learn to hear. And, and I would have a, a picture of a, of a face just in praying, just thinking, and I'd see somebody's face. Well, I used to dismiss that. That's just my imagination. And I decided I better test that. What if that's God speaking to me? And so I started calling people when I would just have their face come up in my mind in prayer. And I was shocked at how God was leading me and how lives were being changed. Literally had one lady, I don't want to give the whole testimony, it takes too long and it's, some of it I think is personal, but uh, she was specifically praying at that minute for God to tell me to call her. And I saw her face, and I called her, and it changed her life. It saved probably her life. Uh, and I'm not saying now, because there's thousands of you watching right now, that you can go to praying and ask God to speak to me to call you. I, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> I hesitate to give that testimony because everybody thinks now they can pray, and I'll, I'll call them. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying at that moment, at that time, God spoke to me. How did he speak to me in an audible voice? No, a picture an impression. There was another man that I was just driving down the road and his face came before me and I knew 
there was a tragedy. I just knew it. I didn't hear audible words. I saw a picture, a vision of a face with anxiety, and something happened. And, and I called them, and I said, look, uh, I don't want to name their names and everything. I said, look, I was just praying, had you on my heart. Uh, I just want to make sure you're okay. Uh, and if he'd have said, oh, yeah, everything's fine, then I could have just said, well, hey, I love you, no harm done, and I missed God. I tested it. But when he broke down and said, I helped somebody today, on the side of the road, there was a car accident in front of him, and he pulled over to help somebody, and uh, the, the report came back. The person nearly died and bled to death, but the guy that helped him that was a friend of mine had blood all over him. The report came back that the guy had AIDS, and my friend was a blue-collar worker, and he had scratches and knuckles all bruised and bent, you know, from working on cars and outside, and they gave him a prognosis that he may have contracted AIDS. And I rebuked it in Jesus' name and said, God wouldn't have showed me and spoke to me had he not intended for me to rebuke it and for you to be healed. And he never, he never got AIDS. A um, few weeks went by and he was, he was cleared totally. I could go on and on with the voice of the Lord and it not being audible, but these different languages of the Holy Spirit. Before I go back to the questions real quick, what is the primary? I mean, there are primary languages that the Holy Spirit has. And one of my favorite that God has used the most in my life is peace. Peace is the voice of God. As a matter of fact, there's kingdom protocols, just like there's protocols to every kingdom. And Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says that the kingdom of God is not in meat or drink, but in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost speaks in righteousness. Boy, I'm running out of time, and I wanted to go to Isaiah 45, 19. If there's anybody watching, taking notes, go look up Isaiah 45, 19. God just, wow, it is over the top. I've never heard anybody quote that scripture. And it's where God says, I haven't hidden my, my will from you in secret. I didn't, I didn't say to Jacob or to Israel in vain certain things, but that the Lord speaks in righteousness. What's the voice of God? Righteousness. When you're, when you're having to make a decision and, and, and you see that is wrong and this is right, this is God speaking to you. Doing the right thing is the voice of God. Peace is the voice of God. Colossians 3.15 says that we need to let the peace of God rule our hearts. Rule our hearts. That word rule in a concordance means umpire. Peace is the umpire, the voice of authority on the inside of you. And when you have to make a decision and you're praying it out and you're thinking it out and you lose your peace, that's the voice of God saying, don't do it. You won't hear audible voice, maybe do not do that, but the loss of your peace is the voice of God, do not do that. Then when you're praying and you're processing and you're doing what Jesus said, even in building a house, you count the cost, going to war, you count the cost. You should count the cost in every decision you're making before the throne of God, and so you're praying. And if you have peace, 
That's the voice of God saying, do it. Man, I could give testimonies upon testimonies of this. And I just hope that it's helping someone. Um, I guess this will be our last question. I only have a couple of more minutes. I'm not going to be able to take any more of your questions. Um, is God always speaking, even if we don't hear? I've kind of addressed that, but it's, it's such a great question because, again, you can approach the voice of God from a law position of, I got to do this, this, and this to get God to speak, or you can approach the voice of God from a grace perspective. He's always speaking. He's always leading. He's always prompting you. Have you ever just been prompted to call somebody? That's the voice of God. Have you ever been in a situation and you just felt compassion for somebody and to go pray for them? Compassion is the voice of God. The Bible says in multiple places that Jesus was moved with compassion. The, whole, the Holy Father, the Heavenly Father was speaking to him in compassion to heal the sick. Compassion is the voice of God. When you just feel an overwhelming compassion for someone, act on it, brothers and sisters. Don't get weird. You don't have to be spooky. You don't have to walk up to somebody and say, thus saith the God of Israel and mess somebody up or miss God. <laughs> no, you're feeling compassion, true compassion, God's love for them. Just walk over to them and ask them, how are you doing? Can I pray for you? If you miss it, no harm done. You haven't hurt yourself. You haven't hurt anybody. But what if you're hearing God? What if compassion is the voice of God? What if a prompting is the voice of God? As you obey, as you yield, you will get more sensitive to it and more sensitive to it, and you'll be led more and more by the Spirit. You'll hear the voice of Jesus, and it'll get so clear in these different languages that you will discern my opening scripture, the voice of the dragon. We're coming into a new year, and I promise you, the voice of the dragon is going to get louder and louder, and he'll come and he'll look like a lamb because he's the anti-Christ. But we can know the voice of the lamb. We can discern the voice of the lamb, and now we can make good decisions for our family, for our friends and with our friends. Man, I hope this has been a blessing to you. Thanks so much for being a part of Truth and Liberty. Can't wait to see you again soon. God bless you. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.